This won't be another one of those unabridged, paranoid, hippie monologues I feel obliged to sit through. Welcome to the Movie Ladder Podcast. We're all about cinematic connections. Each week we're discussing a movie that connects to the movie from the previous week's podcast. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined by... Reddit Fitzpatrick. Am I the lead detective and you're my assistant, or are you uh, the um, lead detective and I'm the assistant? You can call me Bigfoot on this oh, one. Oh, you're Bigfoot. Um, you're, you're my yeah. antagonist. I'll, I'll be Bigfoot on this one. Um, I, I'm just going to be kicking down apartment doors left and right. Well, he's Bigfoot and I'm Doc. Oh, and uh, last week we talked about the the uh, long goodbye, not the big goodbye, except for the long goodbye. And this week, due to a uh, sleepy L.A. detective connection, mm-hmm. we will be talking about Inherent Vice. Uh, then at the end of the episode, we will decide on our next movie based on suggestions sent in from you, the listeners, and us, your host. Uh, we will be spoiling Inherent Vice, so if you haven't seen it, this is available to rent on all rental platforms, not anywhere streaming for free, uh, that we found, at least in the United States. But go ahead and pause this podcast, go rent it, watch Inherent Vice, uh, confuse yourself, maybe do some drugs. Maybe we don't advocate doing drugs. Legal yeah, drugs. Do some legal yeah, yeah. drugs. Legal, legal drugs. And... Uh, then come back and listen to this discussion, uh, or uh, you can skip ahead to the suggestions, ladder rung suggestions, which that timestamp is in the description, as always. And as always, you can submit your feedback to us at LadderMovie on Twitter, themovieladdergmail.com. Send Brennan an email on there. Check us out on Letterboxd, the movie ladder. All right. That is all the stuff I had to run through. Uh, I'm going to take a hit of this doobie, Brendan, while uh, will you say how you're doing. I, I hope that doobie isn't laced with P- PCP, Zach. You're going to have a bad night. You said you wanted this to be a quicker podcast episode today. The listeners will be able to tell by the timestamp whether it was or not. But uh, <laughs> if you uh, if you start smoking reefer on this podcast, I think it's going to be one of our longer episodes. Reefer. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> you think this is going to be? You think? All right. So let's say over under ninety minutes. Are we? Uh, when people are listening to this, is this one longer or shorter than ninety minutes? It's over. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's not a good over Come on. That's not uh, a good over uh, One hour and 50 minutes is this. 108 podcast. minutes. 108 minutes. How long is that? Yes. Uh, 40, 148? Yeah. So it's 108 uh, minutes. I think we are shorter than 108 minutes. Okay. What do you think? Deal. I will owe you a uh, chocolate covered frozen banana when you get to DC ah. in a couple weeks. You know what? I, so I've actually, <laughs> I bought a box of those a few weeks ago. They're delicious. <laughs> They're great. I, yeah. They, they well, had an Aldi. I highly recommend the chocolate-covered frozen bananas uh, that Bigfoot ate in Aaron Vice. Quite honestly, things I didn't know I needed in my life, Josh Brolin sucking down chocolate-covered frozen bananas. Yeah, uh, I could have used uh, not you <laughs> saying sucking down. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Would you so, prefer I used the term filleting? Because that's what I have written in my notes. Ooh, uh, no, 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 I'm good on that, too. Uh <laughs> All right, so uh, yes, before we get into this sprawling <laughs> L.A. sleepy detective movie uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, uh, we're going to talk about the best thing we watched this week. And Brendan, what was the best thing you watched? 
Well, I hope you're not bringing your bicycle with you when you come to visit DC in a couple weeks. Um, I, uh, if you are, I would recommend watching the 1948 Italian film uh, Bicycle Thieves before you before you make that decision. Um, uh, okay. Yes. This movie is fantastic. Um, I watched it for this week's Criterion Challenge, uh, directed by Vittorio De Sica. It's about a poor union worker who gets chosen for a job in Italy post-World War II on the condition that he has a bicycle. So he has to go um, get his bicycle out of Hawk and use it on his job. And unfortunately, the first hour on the job, his bicycle gets stolen by some hoodlums. And it all goes... My bike got stolen once by our old roommate. I know. I was going to bring that up in a second. Oh, sorry. Just let me finish with the part of the film. It all goes downhill from there as he and his young son go all around Rome trying to track down the bicycle thieves. There are lots of shady figures. There are lots of fights and uh, very intense chase scenes. It's a very good, um, basically, human drama about not only what people are forced to do to work in a post-war society when mm-hmm. there are very few jobs, but also the lengths people will go to when they run out of options, when desperation is a sticky clone. It's interesting, um, as you were starting to describe this movie, I wondered if it was like a farcical comedy, like sort of like the movie we're going to be talking about shortly, Inherent Vice. Uh-huh. Um but it sounds like it was pretty intense and dramatic. It's a pretty intense drama, Um, but I really, really liked it. I was hooked in very quickly and very easily. Um, But yeah, I was going to bring it up because uh, you, as someone who has experienced bicycle theft himself and what the police do and do not do when your bicycle oh, is stolen, yeah. Um, yeah, nothing has changed in 80 years. Yeah. So uh, what's yeah, what this really what you're talking about this and as I'm hearing you tell the story, I'm like, oh, maybe that's a funny movie. It actually reminds me of this uh, Woody Allen movie that mm-hmm. I loved when I saw it maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago. It's called Melinda and Melinda and not many people have seen it, um, but it's basically this this group of couple like these two couples, I think, get together at dinner and somebody tells a story about a woman at her apartment and like somebody shows mm-hmm. off, you know, some weird stuff. I don't remember exactly what the whole story is, but one set of couples says, oh, that's a tragedy. And the other set mm-hmm. of couples says, oh, no, that's a comedy. And so the movie, actually, they show the story told twice, once as a comedy, once as a tragedy, with different casts and totally different feel. Uh, and I always think of Melinda and Melinda, because in that in that movie, they said, you know, life is always either a tragedy or comedy. It's nothing. Yeah. It's either one or the other. Uh, it, so I, I would recommend Melinda and Melinda as my, mm-hmm. my it, uh, moral of the story. It did also remind me of our uh, 80s Scorsese movie that we watched earlier this year, um, After Hours. Ah, yes, that was last um, year. Yeah, or last year, yeah. There was there was a lot of um, parallels or similarities between the lead characters in both films. Um, yeah, I think, you, I think you would definitely enjoy it if you watched it, um, but I'm glad you didn't pick the same Italian movie as I did this week. But yeah, I, I highly recommend people check it out. Um, I gave it a nice review on Letterboxd, and... Four and a half stars. So nice. Well, look at you. You're back to rating things on Letterboxd again. Um, With Criterion, I try to just because I want to get a little more visibility to that list. The record, yeah. So, yeah. And if it deserves a star rating, I'll give it a star rating. Otherwise, yeah. I'll just put a review in there. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, my movie that I'm going to talk about, I think I watched this either the night we recorded our last podcast or the next night. Uh, so I watched it on the, I think I recorded it 
Yeah, I watched this the, the night after we recorded our podcast last mm-hmm. week. Um, and I've been talking about it for a couple weeks. I know Av mentioned, you know, he was like excited for me to watch it a couple weeks ago when I first brought it up. It was on my personal ladder. That's the assassination of Jesse James by the by the coward Robert Ford. Fantastic. And uh, the long title for a long movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a slow build. But man, does that last hour of this movie really pay off kind of the, the slow building character epic development that we get. Or epic character development, I should say. Um, we start with a train heist that's shot beautifully. I mean, I basically watched this movie and then started it over and watched like the first hour again after it was mm-hmm. over. Um, kind of on and off like that night and then the next morning. Uh, it's a it's a modern Western. It's revisionist. It's got a hell of a cast uh, led mm-hmm. by a really great Brad Pitt performance uh, as Jesse James. And we're watching basically, I mean, we're watching what the title says. You know, you know you're building up to the assassination of Jesse James by Robert Ford. Um, mm-hmm. And when the, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler to say when the gun goes off, in the third act, mm-hmm. there is so much tension that has been it's... built up over the time. And then the payoff after the fact, just this was a fantastic movie that I was thinking about for days afterwards. Yeah, it's a true Chekhov's gun of a film because it sets you up with what this movie is going to be just in the title. And then, you know, as like they say about Chekhov's gun, you introduce a gun in the first act. It has to go off in the third act. Right. And when it does in that film, it goes off beautifully like yeah. you know it's, it's, it's a Chekhov's, it's, just, it's really a Chekhov's yeah. title more than anything yeah. I mean it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you go again you go okay we're gonna watch a movie about the assassination of Jesse James uh and yeah it's uh you know it's got it's got a great cast too I mean Brad Pitt like I said Sam Rockwell Casey Affleck in this movie uh Casey Affleck actually, uh plays the eponymous plays uh Robert, Robert Ford, Ford. Right? I don't know how accurate to history this is I think I read that it's a revisionist tale it's not exactly what happened um I but mean, I he don't, was killed, enough. my understanding from what I remember is he was killed in his home while hanging a picture. Okay. So that so, yeah, much so, of it is true. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, th- this was uh, this was not directed by a director who has like a, a, you know, it's Andrew Dominic who's done some movies. I mean, he did Killing Them Softly, which I watched before this on my personal ladder. Um, but nothing, you know, this isn't like, it feels like it could have been a Paul Thomas Anderson movie or Coen Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not Coen Brothers. It's not really whimsical enough to be them, but um, it was Roger Deakins did do the cinematography. Looks amazing. I mean, it's just it. it I mm. I really recommend if you got a couple hours, throw your phone on the other side of the room and just sit and like bask <laughs> in this movie and enjoy it. Um, it, it it's slow, so it's it's hard to not reach for your phone at times. But right. it really, I mean, this would be a great one to sit in the theater and watch and just be kind of immersed in it. So, um. Yes. It is uh, pretty high up on my top 10 Westerns list. I think it's like number five on that list. I have to pull it up. But um, this came out in 2007, too, which is a great mm-hmm. movie. You're pretty high on my 2007 list. Uh, I have this to number eight, um, just behind Red River. But actually, like, the more yeah. I'm talking about it, I might actually move this up a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, just I, I was a big fan of this movie. I'm really I'm really happy that I I watched this. It was on my it was on my watch list since the movie came out. Um, yeah. And it. You know, it was it was worth the wait to see it. I mean, what a what a fantastic cast! I mean, you have Brad Pitt, Casey Affleck, Sam Rockwell, Sam Shepard, Jeremy Renner, all the Sams. Yeah, all the Sams. Mary Louise Parker, Garrett Dillahunt, who I freaking love just from TV. He's been in everything TV. Um, what has he been in? Because I didn't recognize. Uh, him. So Fargo, he was, was in. Mm. Um. Oh, what's the? Ju- he was assuming, in Justified. He was, was going to say. I figured he was. He was on Justified. The final season of Justified. He was on. Um. 
Deadwood as two different characters, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, He just finished up a run this past season on Fear the Walking Dead. Oh. Um, he's been in a ton of different things. Um, but I, I really like him. He's he's a really good that guy. Uh, yeah. Zoe Deschanel sh- pops up in that movie. Not till the uh, end. Yeah, she's Ted not until the end of the movie. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's a really fantastic, uh, fantastic cast. Yeah, very patient, yeah. deliberate movie. Um, mm. so, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about this. I think this is one I I'll revisit in a few years. It's definitely one I need to revisit. Um, because I haven't seen it since it first came out, and I I I, I would definitely um. Definitely be down to rewatch it. So. Yeah, the score, uh, just the score is so perfectly fitting. Um, mm-hmm. and, and actually, you know, much like actually the Inherent Vice, I feel like the music in Inherent Vice really fits the mood. Uh, mm-hmm. The score in this movie fits the mood as well. So uh, and I do think it's a Brad Pitt performance. I've never seen this kind of kind of like silent menace from Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the second watch, I picked up a lot of other things, kind of knowing where the movie goes. So. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe it'll come up uh, next year. We'll see. Maybe. So uh, with that, uh, not doing great for my whole bet against uh, this being under 108 minutes, but we'll see. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on our, uh, our movies okay. for this week, okay. but that's okay. Yeah, it's all good. All right, well, let's get into it. Uh, movie number 86 on number the ladder. 86. Yeah, I'm going to start saying that. I'm going to start saying like what movie. I'm going to give the count. We'll start movie 86. We were at movie 34 on the year. Yep. Um, so we did the long goodbye last year week uh we were doing a whole run of these detective movies these uh different types of tech movies so we did big lebowski big sleep then long goodbye and now uh another one that i feel like was the really the natural connection off of the long goodbye there is a natural connection i would say a natural suggestion off of inherent vice it'll be interesting to see if we end up going with that mm-hmm. um but sure. you know we've we had the the more traditional detective one time in the big sleep otherwise yep. we've had these kind of goofy uh you know uh Stoner detectives in the Big Lebowski and the Long Goodbye. Yeah, uh, well, I guess he's not really a stoner, but he's just kind of like he's not your Paul. He's not your Humphrey he, Bogart. He's not your Humphrey Bogart, and he does the exact same thing that Joaquin Phoenix does in this movie, where he's constantly has a something in his mouth, and you can barely understand what he's saying a lot of the mm-hmm. time because of the thing in his mouth, whether it's a joint or a cigarette or. True. You know, yeah. um, so it's very, very similar in that way. Um, I thought there were a lot of parallels, even though I think um, L.A. Gould is much more charismatic than Joaquin Phoenix is, purposefully so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, um, you know, Joaquin Phoenix has his own sort of dark brooding charm that some people are into. Um, it's not necessarily my cup of tea, but I understand the appeal of that type of his type of character and do appreciate his very different take on the lead character in this genre because it's not one that we've seen so far through these because it's not like the big Lebowski was um it's not like Jeffrey Lebowski was a um actual TI he was sort of a bumbling oafish got thrown into this but with, with zero experience whereas you have what like and I think one of our listeners wrote this in, you have with Joaquin Phoenix's character, sort of, if he actually even tried a little bit to take it seriously and didn't have a Walter, he might be Joaquin Phoenix's character instead. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, and and so, uh, yeah, Joaquin Phoenix plays Doc Spertello. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, he's a, he's a private eye. He works out of a veterinary hospital. Um, yep. Okay. Yep. Veterinary hospital. Uh, and 
this movie is definitely pretty quirky, pretty funny. It does not feel like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie to me. Um, this is the third Paul Thomas Anderson movie we've done this summer. So summer yep. of PTA, summer we did Magnolia, PTA. Magnolia, Boogie Nights, and then we came back to Paul Thomas Anderson to do Inherent yep. Vice. Um, and you, this is this is the search of a, a couple missing people, uh, all surrounding uh, this one character, Wolfman, Mickey Wolfman. Yep. So, yep. Uh, and. You know, before we even got on, we didn't talk about this, but I have no idea how we're going to even talk about the plot of this movie because uh, Jeff actually coined the phrase when he was watching this. He called it incoherent vice. Uh, yeah, it's a purple haze of a plot where everything sort of fits together, but then it goes back on itself several times. So you're like, well, did this really connect or was it just sort of was I mean, it more yeah. coincidence than yeah. it was actual connection? And it was like. I kept waiting for because they went out of their way to explain what Golden Fang was and that there was some sort of maritime tie-in with like maritime law. Right. And then they talked about how Benicio del Toro's character is a maritime lawyer. Hmm. I expected his character to be involved in some way at the very end. And then when he wasn't, I was sort of let down by that. Mm, that would have been interesting, yeah. The plot set me up to expect something by dropping a hint about maritime law that it then ended up not paying off. And I was like, well, all right, okay, I guess he doesn't matter that much. He's just there to sort of hang out with the Joaquin Phoenix character, which is also fine, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, so for me, this is my second time watching this. Mm. Um, I watched it back, uh, oh, actually, wow, I actually watched it August 20th, 2019. So oh, wow. almost two, exactly wow. two years ago. Uh, I watched this as part of my personal movie ladder before we even launched this podcast when I was still doing my mm. personal movie ladder. Um, and I had up what I, I, so I did this after Under the Silver Lake, which, you know, spoiler alert, that is the like very natural next connection. Right. Process, Cause it's yes. another kind of these uh, detective or a guy who gets thrown into a detective looking for a missing person who gets thrown into this underworld in LA. That one takes place now instead of in the seventies. Um, and then I followed this up on my personal movie letter and maybe this will be following up next week with election. Uh, cause I followed the Reese Witherspoon connection to election. And there's sort of this like ethereal quality behind the woman he's trying to find in both films as well. There's mm-hmm. like a, I don't want to call it a many medic pixie dream girl. Cause I think that gets overused, but it's sort of this like idealized, person that they're chasing after that is constantly shown like floating through scenes of flashbacks where you're not sure whether or not this is a true memory or not because it's all sort of hazy and and that's what i really like about this movie um i don't like the plot just frustrates me second time i've seen it i knew a little bit more what i was expecting and i still walked away from this just thoroughly confused and just not not even engaged enough with it that i wanted to figure out what happened i was just kind of like all right like i gave this two chances and neither time i love paul thomas anderson his movies almost always hit for me and this one just again does not hit for me but i do really like the mood of this movie i Uh, i think that's where i am too i like the mood i struggled with the actual plot and also my i mean so i can i think i can unravel exactly what this plot was So basically there's an overseas heroin operation where they are able to bring the drugs in on this boat called the Golden Fang, 
that is owned privately by this man named Wolfman who got all of his money through the re- through real estate schemes. Right. Wolfman decides he wants out, so he quits and throws himself into rehab, sort of like um our our big guy in the big long goodbye did. Yeah. That's going to be a connection later is that they both sort of threw themselves into rehab. So then on top of that, the heroin suppliers not only created a front in all of these massage parlors to launder the money from the drugs, but they also opened up a bunch of rehab facilities to get the people clean, put them out back out onto the street and then get resubscribed the opium through their dentist so that they would get addicted again. Right. And their dentist, so they're there. It's I, I and I'd like that like big, cycle. Right. Yeah. And I like that as a big, cycle. On, it's recycling. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I like that, I think, as a commentary on kind of like capitalism as well mm-hmm. to like the, you know, even prescription drug companies and, and just keeping you, you know, you're on this prescription drug, you're on it for the rest of your life, right. you know, putting that on heroin and tying it to the medical community with both uh, Doc working out of a veterinary hospital, but yeah. then all these dentists as well. Exactly. Um, and we had we had Hope, who we meet in the in the movie, who has these brand new teeth that she got mm. through the Golden Fang dentist. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I like I like the kind of cycles in it. And that explanation, I just needed something in this movie that just kind of summed that up a little bit more than what I got. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that the other part of it is that it gives you two cycles of plot that are going on and they both get sort of confusing because then separate and apart from that you have the Owen Wilson undercover Coy Coy, who gets keeps getting traded from side to side of who he's investigating Mm -hmm. and all he wants is to get out and he can't because he's basically trapped in this same cycle and, and perfect use of Owen Wilson is this type of character, actually. actually. Um, yeah. Like, I, I when he's sitting in the rehab facility and he looks up and he sees Doc and he's just like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, he whispers yeah. like, what the hell are you doing here? Uh, it's just like that, you know, that, that I love Owen Wilson. And that's sort of when the plot came together for me, too. Yeah. That was when I sort of figured out exactly what was going on with both stories. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I, I mean, Owen Wilson just, you know, I, I talked a ton about him when we talked mm. about Meet the Parents. He was great on Loki. I mean, I'm, I've been a huge Owen Wilson fan for years. So, you know, whenever he's in a movie, I get really excited about seeing him. So, you know, I liked him and I, I liked a lot of the casting in this, too. I mean, you know, we have early on in the movie, we have Michael K. Williams show up, who's best yeah. known as playing Omar on The Wire. Um, yeah. Just for a brief scene, we have Martin Short in a cameo with Bruce Witherspoon mm-hmm. in this. I mean, a very stacked cast, Benicio Del Toro, John Malone. Um, you know, obviously, this movie is anchored by Joaquin Phoenix and Josh Brolin. As our, our kind of uh, you know going head to head as our detective and our uh, and our police officer, so yeah. both with think, nicknames Doc and Bigfoot as well. Yeah. And what 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 did you think of the before we get into the Joaquin Phoenix performance? Because I think we'll have a lot to say about that. Um, I didn't know going into this. This is my first time seeing this movie, so I wasn't sure how much each of these people would be in this movie. Like I knew who was in it, but I didn't know if these were like bit parts if these were going to be big parts um i was really happy with how much josh Brolin we got and i was really happy with how sort of menacing his character was while also sort of being sympathetic at the same time because of all this like shit that he's had going on in his life 
that nobody ever asks, you know, how he's doing. They just sort of take advantage of his quote-unquote Bigfoot persona, but he has his own problems that nobody ever really seems to care about or want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And he sort of just loses it at the end on the Joaquin Phoenix character in this sort of giant cathartic moment where he's just like, fuck it, I'm going to do all these drugs. And mm-hmm. then then just walk away. And it's like, it's a wild performance. And I, I really enjoyed the progression of the character as he sort of starts to lose control of himself. And the scene when we get when he's in his home, too, right? Yeah. And his wife picks up the phone. And you never even see his yeah, wife's exactly. face. You only see her from kind of the shoulders down. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she's this overbearing presence in his mm-hmm. life where he seems so in control earlier in the movie where he. Right. Exactly. And, and it's almost like what you get. I think you get this maybe on like the Fargo TV show a little bit more mm-hmm. where you get kind of these these characters who present is very strong up front. And then you actually find out the things in their life that are are. um Exactly. You know, are, are haunting them. Like you so. find out, I mean, you find out that he's seeing a therapist and his therapist bills are through the roof because all he does is complain about these damn hippies. And right. You know, and it, yeah. And I do love the, the like hippie in this, right? Like we're seeing like it again, it sort of reminds me of uh, back to the future part three yeah, where Marty is dressed as like a, uh, what, what doc thinks is a cowboy. Mm. Um, and he shows up in the old West and they're like, why the hell are you dressed like that? You're in like the, you know, cause he's in, the, he's in the clothes of like these 1950s Western movies. Right. Exactly. Uh, and when we see that commercial early on, when we see Wolfman's commercial, he's dressed as a hippie, but he's got the big Afro and he's like the hippie Halloween costume. Right. Exactly. But then you're meeting the hippies throughout this movie and they're not, you know, you're not seeing the hippie Halloween costume. Right. Exactly. You're sort of seeing the end. Like what I really like about this movie and why I think it was so, purposefully set towards the end of the 70s like -hmm. where it was set because it's set in a time when basically the manson murders have happened right we get references to manson murders a lot in this all of the bad shit in la and california and across the country have happened and now like everybody has sort of started to turn away from the peace and love generation and those people who were all the peace and love people are starting to grow out of that or become older burnouts or have to completely change. Like, that's why I think the Reese Witherspoon character is a really great juxtaposition because she's obviously somebody that was involved in that peace and love side of things and then had to sort of change her life. Mm-hmm. To become the lawyer that she becomes, yeah, because she realized that the quote unquote the good times were over, like mm-hmm. it was, the, it was the end. It was time to grow up, and she grew up, and the Joaquin Phoenix character did not. Oh, know? I like so I like that a lot. I didn't I didn't really put that together. Um, and that was sort of, or at least that was my takeaway. My interpretation yeah, of it is, I like that. And she I, sort of realized that, like, okay, it's all fun and good when you're in your early twenties. And not really responsible for anything, but eventually mm-hmm. you have to grow up and like do something with your life. Like, I mean, like my mom, my mom grew up around this era and was a you know hippie and she did all of the Vietnam protests and she smoked a lot of weed and she went to a ton of crazy concerts. Like she saw Jimi Hendrix, she saw Pink Floyd, you know, she saw The Who live, you know, it's like, but eventually she realized 
that she couldn't be 21, 22 years old forever. She had to, like, finish college, get a job, and start a family. And, you know, that's sort of what she did. But a lot of people of that generation didn't make that switch mm. and ended up in the sort of well, way I mean, the Joaquin Phoenix character are. But Doc has a job. Out. Yeah, right? but it's, 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 he's still a burnout. Like right. he's a, it's barely a job, you I know? Mean, he's making ends meet. But yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. He's not the he's not a district attorney or assistant district mm. attorney like the Reese Witherspoon character is. Exactly. Um, and like Bigfoot, right? I mean, right. Bigfoot. Yeah. And and that that cultural divide between the hippies and the I don't know whatever the opposite of hippies is. Mm. Uh, you know, that's that's interesting. And I think there's a lot of this Squares, world to explore. Yeah. I think, um, and I think we're having a similar discussion to what we had in shampoo when we mm. had, when we talked about shampoo. Um, exactly. And I just think, you know, shampoo once upon a time in Hollywood, things that were these kind of sleepy end of the hippie era, Vietnam Manson times movies, those, those movies just did that feel and, and those themes so much better than this one where this one just I was, so. I don't know. I felt like as I was watching this movie, I'm like, did they even have the movie written when they started making it? Or did they just like, it felt like it's like a choose your own adventure book where the ending was oh, not written. And we just kind of like move through the story. We're meeting this character. We're talking to this character. Nothing really ties together, although it all sort of ties together. Right. And then at the end, we just walk out of this like cloud of smoke and we're like, right. okay, well here's, here's this. And the movie's over. And I think that ties into, you know, we can start talking specifically about Joaquin Phoenix as an actor and his work in this movie. This basically is a drug-fueled trip through the disconnected way his brain works as a character. Like, his Mm -hmm. character's mind is screwed from years of drug use and paranoia and craziness. You're and not not just the actor, but also the the, the character. Okay. But I but also I mean, he you know you you get into the same problem that I have with a lot of Joaquin Phoenix performances, where half the time I can't understand anything he's saying, and I was disappointed because about twenty minutes in, I finally had to give up and turn on subtitles. Oh yeah. Even I, though I, I had never this seen movie this movie, is before. so complicated. I and I I had to turn them on, not even because it was complicated, but because I just couldn't understand what fuck he was saying and that is something i experience a lot when i watch joaquin phoenix movies i mean he has this sort of mumbly bumbly vocal tick that basically disengages me a lot of times from his movies luckily um it didn't it didn't bother me in the master he's fantastic in that and that's just such but a he fantastic. mumbles a lot i mean he it's really but hard he, to understand what he's saying in that movie as well right but i got over it with the master like i because everything else was was fine around it and i may have even had subtitles on for that movie i can't really remember mm-hmm. um but i i think part of my problem with this film specifically and what kept taking me out of it was just trying to follow the vocal tics and the brain logic of his character that just weren't tracking for me or working for me. Anytime anybody else was on screen, I was back in, but when it was just him, like, talking to himself or talking to another character, it was really hard to stay engaged. 
Well, and that's what I struggle with with this movie. And I think also, like, we, t- I mean, we talked about this. We got a little bit of feedback about how the plot doesn't matter in the big sleep also, mm-hmm. right? It's more about the feel. And when I was more interested in just, like, I'm going to appreciate the time period and the tone and maybe some of the themes that they're they're playing with. But, like, not try to figure out what's going on with Golden Fang or who this, you know, how this character is connected right. to this character. That was when I was enjoying this movie more. But okay. especially for a movie that I'm, like, taking notes on and I'm like, all right, I got to talk about this on a podcast. Like, I'm trying to be able to walk away from inherent vice and say, okay, like this is what happened. This is what happened to us. And when I view this movie, you know, kind of from like a Bigfoot, right. if I'm, if I'm the police detective, Bigfoot trying to put the pieces together, I really struggle with this movie. But when I'm the doc and I'm just kind of like, yeah, whatever, man, it's all good. Like we're figuring it out. You know, like that's Mm -hmm. when I appreciate this movie. In the first half of this movie, I took a more just kind of laid back approach to just like, Oh, like this is a funny line. This, mm. you know, there, there were a lot of really funny wordplay and well-written lines in this movie. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I have, I don't know if I wrote very many of them down. Cause it's like writing down funny lines. Right. is not great, but I do love, I do love one part when doc walks into the veterinary office and he walks past the vet and he goes, doctor. And then and the guy goes, doctor. And it's like, cause like that one made me laugh so, so hard. Um, and then when, uh, the other one was when, uh, um, Bigfoot spells out F U C K I N G ing and and Doc says fucking ing. <laughs> like I that's the thing that. is I didn't really get most of that and I didn't really laugh at all in this movie. I was actually surprised when I saw it, it was a mystery comedy because I didn't maybe a lot of the jokes just went over my head because I was trying to focus too much on like actually like following everything. So mm-hmm. maybe I would appreciate more of the humor the second time, but there were there were a couple of really really great funny scenes, but they weren't like laugh out loud. They were more like crazy funny, like like the the whole Martin Short drug trip dentist office scene that leads into the wild car chase mm-hmm. is was really really fun. And I was like, oh, this is the whimsical thing that I thought this whole movie would be. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted the whole movie to be wrapped in that sort of like. Because that was the the part that reminded me the most of, and it might come up later in connections, but it had like a real fear and loathing of Las Vegas feel. Yeah, yep, yep, definitely. And that that was something that I really, really um so that was something I really appreciated and I really liked that scene. Um also when he disconnects to um the big sleep and the um the long goodbye a little, but he when he goes to infiltrate the fancy schmancy resort spy he does pretend to be somebody he isn't mm-hmm. like humphrey bogart does when he turns up his hat and puts on the sunglasses right. in the bookshop so i mean i did really think that was clever and i thought it was funny because he still like looks like himself he didn't really do anything he just like straightened up his tie and straightened he's wearing up nicer his clothes right yeah he's, yeah, yeah but i so i did really appreciate that i thought that was clever but um this movie really goes out of its way in some good ways to pay homage to a lot of the movies that came before it, for sure. Definitely like, Long Goodbye. Like Long I Goodbye. Mean, I think, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much Long Goodbye in this. I mean, the fact that mm-hmm. so much of it revolves around like a mental asylum as well yeah. and um, patients checking themselves in to avoid problems. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, there's this is a very, very strong connection to the Long Goodbye. So I think we made the right choice in terms That's of this movie. Um and I do think it's, you know, it's it's an interesting bookend with Big Lebowski because it is so similar to the Big Lebowski in so many ways. Uh, it's just that, you know, this is the 1970s, although the dude was pretty much stuck in the 1970s. So, right. um, you know, I think 
I think it's interesting. And I think there were some really strong scenes. And yeah, I think on a second watch, you would pick up on some of the humor. Like when we meet, uh, when we meet, Ho- when we meet Hope and she's telling the story about when she meets her husband, Coy. And then mm-hmm. at the end of it, he, you know, she says, oh yeah, I, I'm a drug counselor now. I teach kids about oh, sexual yeah. drug use. Like that stuff is just like, it's just so yeah. absurd. And I did and laugh when he looks at the picture of the baby and he just screams out of nowhere. I'm like, what the? F- <laughs> yeah, that was, that was so weird. Cause it was such a yeah. strange, even I can't imagine what the baby could have looked like that would have made yeah. him do that. But that was, I mean, that's like Joaquin Phoenix being just crazy. Right. Joaquin Phoenix as well. So, um, and I do think there were some really good, like some really strong, intense scenes in this movie as well. <laughs> Um, I actually, I just wrote down the nude scene, but I mean, you know, which scene that is yeah. and, um, where that's like a five minute long scene where the camera just kind of holds and lets Catherine Waterston just monologue and tell her story. I think she's John. great. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Like, and so, and, and, so and the music is yeah. slowly building. I mean, there's a couple of times when the music is playing for like five, six minutes and the scene is just building with the music along with it and i think the music adds so much to this the johnny greenwood score and then the songs that they use um so i really i really like that scene as well um and uh another one that stands out to me that i think i will remember from this movie just when i'm looking back on it is that whole uh ouija memory which is spurred from the postcard um and that i I just wish more of the movie was like that scene because it was a great memory that doc was having about the time when the ouija board told them to go to this place to get drugs and you know Mm -hmm. him and um, him and uh, Shasta. Yeah. Shasta, thank you. Yeah, Shasta. Yeah. Uh, like they, they, you know, kiss in the rain, and it's just, yeah, mm-hmm. that was just a really, that was a great scene. So, and I liked the button of the like, don't think this means we're getting back together, mm-hmm. but it totally means that they're like, totally getting back together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like, I, mean, I don't know, it was but it's adorable. Little, it's like, yeah, I don't know, it was a little like cliche ending to me but i guess that's what it's paying oh, homage right. to it's paying homage to like the, all the all those detective movies that kind of end like that so yeah for sure yeah um i did notice a couple other themes and especially as we're talking um like mm-hmm. the number three for example shows up in this right there's there's three different missing people that uh doc is investigating and i think that there's kind of three legs to that golden fang syndicate there's the heroine there's the rehab center and then there's the dentist yeah yeah true um and we get references multiple times to a three hour tour right so, yeah the Gilligan's uh, right. obviously that's the um gilligan's island theme song so right. um it's too bad they didn't make a gilligan's island movie right i mean yeah it's <laughs> What was it? Oh, it's the professor, and it's not the doctor in Gilligan's Island. I've never seen an episode of Gilligan's Island before. <laughs> uh, doctor Professor. Yeah. You've never seen an episode of Gilligan's Island. Nope. Wow. Nope. Yeah, just I think it was like when it would be on on like Nick at Night, I would just change it. No, no. Um. So, uh, yeah. Let's see. What else is there? I mean, I don't know. Is there, is there much else to? We can talk about the feedback, and that might get us um, to some other places. But we're sure. uh, not. I will say that there were a couple of um, cameo actors in this where they're building up to the reveal of a character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is my own, like, PTA loves to use a lot of the same people over and over again in his movies. And he loves to use, like, big names and small cameos. Mm -hmm. And it was really well done with the Martin Short cameo. But I really wanted a bigger name for the Fenway reveal. Mm. Of Crocker Fenway, and then I also wanted a bigger reveal for the um, 
uh, Adrian Prussia reveal. Because both of those, like, were these mythical characters in the beginning of the movie who just get name-dropped for doing something that you see off-screen, and you're waiting to meet them, and waiting to meet them, and waiting to meet them, and then they're, like, these two sort of unknown um, character actors. And I was, mm-hmm. was kind of hoping for bigger names from both of those roles, and that's um, Martin Donovan as uh, Fenway, and then uh, Peter McRobbie as Adrian Prussia. And I thought they were both really good in No their, offense to Martin Donovan and Peter their, McRobbie. In their roles, but I really wanted, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dork, and I love a really good cameo, and I wanted, like, a bigger name in both of those roles. I don't I mean, know why. You know, you just said PTA likes to use a lot of the same people as we mm. saw in, in Boogie Nights and Magnolia together. Right. Um, we don't have anybody in this movie, I think, that shows up in any other Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Right. Except for uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Right. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. was like except looking at Mark. everybody. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. But um, is Reese Witherspoon not in any other PTA movie? I don't think so. She's not in The Master, right? At all? No, she's not. Okay. I mean, um. Actually, it's interesting. I was looking at movies that she's in, and she's in Fear. Uh, yeah. She's the lead in Fear, and she is yep. not the one who I thought was the lead in Fear. I I always thought that. Yeah. Um, now I'm blanking on who I thought the lead in Fear was, but not Reese Witherspoon. Alicia Silverstone. I think I always thought oh, it was yeah, Alicia yeah. Silverstone that role. Uh, We're gonna be yeah. together forever. Yeah, uh, I will be interested to see if Walk the Line shows up as anybody's suggestion because obviously Reese Witherspoon and Joaquin Phoenix together. Uh, I did watch that on my personal ladder, and I just assumed that I went from that movie to this movie, but I did not. I did not do that. <laughs> That's funny. Um, no. Uh, Resource Spoon was not in any other Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Oh, um, yeah, and I mean, this one just Owen Wilson. This, Owen Wilson is due to appear in the French Dispatch later this year. But that's Wes is, Anderson. Is that Wes Anderson on PTA? Yeah. Whoops. Yep. Well, there you but, go. Owen Wilson obviously shows up in like all the Wes Anderson. Movies. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, I think there is an untitled Paul Thomas Anderson movie, or maybe it is titled now. But there, there is a, he does wow. have an upcoming movie. Um, oh, that's the thing I was thinking of. Yeah, the one that they keep talking about on the big picture that yeah. sort of has a title, but doesn't. Yeah. So it just says Untitled Paul Thomas Anderson Project on Letterboxd, and it says set yeah. in the San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. So uh, there you go. The film follows a high school student who is also a successful child actor. So, oh, I think oh, it was originally called like Soggy Bottom or something like that. Oh, that's Soggy yeah. Bottom. OK, that's the Soggy Bottom movie. Yeah. Uh, OK, so this is this one stars Bradley Cooper. Um, and one of the Safdie brothers as well, isn't that so? Bradley Coops. Um, yeah. Uh, have you seen all the Thomas Anderson movies now? Um, that is a good question. I need to check. all the major ones. So he has eight major ones: There Will Be Blood, yes, Phantom Thread, them. The Master, Magnolia, and Punch Drunk Love, Boogie Nights, Inherent Vice, and Heart Eight. Yes, I've seen all of the major PTA movies. Um, I would rank this if that's where you're going with this question. I would put this above phantom thread you bastard above heart eight but below the master below boogie nights below magnolia um probably like fifth punch i think it's probably below punch truck love as well but i haven't seen that movie in forever punch truck love is great i rewatched that last year it's very good yeah so i would probably say five or six out of those eight that you named I mean, I think he has seven great movies, and then this. Right. Um, I I like Hard Hard Eight quite a bit. Hard Eight I is think much, Hard Eight's really great. Um, and I just don't think like this doesn't feel like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie to me. Uh, and I know he's got. I think he has a couple other like there's a couple other listed, but not these are the eight major ones. Um, yeah. 
I mean, all the rest of his movies just have such a distinct style, and they're so meticulous, and this one is just so sloppy, it feels like. And yeah. I, I think it's intentionally sloppy, but I just, I like when he's meticulous. I like him at his phantom thread, not at his inherent vice. And I think uh, a lot of that also is the is the sloppy, you know, Lucky Phoenix performance, which a lot of people like, um, including, you know, your own brother, who, you know, is a ride or die for Joaquin Phoenix, and I just don't, I keep wanting, I keep giving Joaquin Phoenix a chance, and I keep wanting him, wanting to love him in something, and it keeps just not happening for me. Interesting. Um, I'm looking at his, his filmography right now. Um, What about Her? I feel like Her is the movie that really sells me on him. Her, I really thought was really great. Yeah, and we we saw Her, I think, together in the theater. Yeah, and I didn't like Her when I first saw it, but on my Mm rewatch, I liked it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Um. What about Parenthood? That's child Joaquin Phoenix in Parenthood. <laughs> I don't even remember his performance. It's good about I don't either. Oh, man, Joaquin Phoenix sure. and Martin Short. Isn't Martin Short in Parenthood? Maybe not. Uh, Steve like Martin. Not. Steve Martin is, okay. Right, I mean, if Steve Martin's in it, Martin Short might not be too far behind. Uh, right. But I don't see Martin Short. I think it's, yeah, I don't think he is. Um, uh, all right. But Jason Robards, speaking of Paul Thompson. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, actually, I think I connected to Parenthood on the uh, Magnolia podcast, so. Yeah. There you go. Um, no, it just this doesn't have like in when we watched Magnolia and Boogie Nights back to back, and I know they were made very close together, yeah. but we had so many similar camera movements and like interesting, right. just like in, very interesting film scenes. And this was just like there's an interesting feel to this, but there's just and not yeah. anything interesting visually that's happening in this movie. Yeah, and th- I think this is the thing that like so we were talking a lot about how Robert Altman stylizes his films last week. Mm-hmm. And that the long goodbye feels like a Robert Altman movie. Like you could feel Robert Altman on it. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. This does not feel like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. You don't get that same stylization, long shot, deep cut. I mean, just look at this movie compared to There Will Be Blood and how There Will Be Blood is just so... Meticulous. Meticulous. Yeah, it's tight. It's it's very tight. And he doesn't have to do everything the same. It's great that he's doing different things. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I think Inherent Vice, probably the most divisive movie that we've talked about on this podcast, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, there are people who love this movie, including somebody who wrote in that said it is their second highest movie of the last decade. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who are on the other end of the spectrum, like me, and like another writer that we have written in, that just, it just does not click for them at all. Uh, and I would imagine this is 3.6 stars on Letterbox. I would imagine mm-hmm. this is probably the lowest ranked Paul Thomas Anderson movie um, yeah. in terms of, I mean, and Letterbox reviewers, those are more kind of like film, you know, like film, kind of film buff people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, oh, actually, I guess I, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. I guess I, I'm just looking at my Heart 8 review and I guess I didn't like Heart 8 as much as I remember liking it because uh, I didn't even click that I liked it on Letterboxd. Ooh, I said I liked yeah. the first half but was missing something in the second half. Bummer. Uh, that's also 3.6 Letterboxd review yeah. from other from uh, other people who've seen it. Where do you put this among? So, so we went from Lebowski to this in a nice, you know, five movie chunk. Where... So is this number five out of the five we watched for you? Didn't we just do four? Did we, we do five. four? I thought it was yeah. Lebowski, oh, big sleep, long yeah, goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Lebowski, big, big sleep, yeah. long goodbye, and then this. Uh, yeah, this is definitely number four. Um, okay. I think long goodbye is first, followed by Lebowski, then big sleep, then this. Although I would have to look at what I actually gave them 
yeah, uh, I would agree. Wise. Yeah, we we both we both are on the same of the same. Uh, I put Lebo- I had Lebowski a half star higher than Big Sleep at the time. So. And I did add Lebowski as a five and Long oh. Goodbye as a four point five. And I had Long Goodbye at four also. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. What do I know? Uh, what do oh, no, I, okay. I'm lo- never mind. I was looking at the podcast really. I gave Long Goodbye a four and a half. You did. I, yeah. I gave Big Sleep I think a three and a half. You did. Yep. And, and then you Lebowski as a four. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah, I was right. I was right the yeah. first time. When I was hovering over it, it was showing what the what we rated it I, as. A I did give Lebowski a five, but I think that and Long Goodbye are real close for me. Like, I mean, I would, I could probably go back and give the Long Goodbye a five if I really wanted to, but I still think there were things in there that I rightfully criti- criticized last week mm-hmm. um, to make it a four point five and not a perfect movie. Um, if this movie focused less on the mystery and more right. on the fun, like culture and the wackiness. Right. It just, then it then it becomes the Big Lebowski. Then it's exactly the Big Lebowski, and that's this not. This feels like a yeah. lesser version of the Big Lebowski already. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Like okay. the Le- Big Lebowski has so many quotable lines, and just like the mm. wacky characters, just kind of work. The performances are good. There's interesting visual things. Whereas this, outside of just that feeling of we're on the beach in California. Like, yeah. I just don't get much of a feel for this movie. I can't quote a single line from this movie. I think that's the difference. Dr. Doctor. That's the best no. line in this movie. <laughs> Dr. Doctor was hilarious. I laughed really hard when they said that. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I hate being, I, I hate being negative. I, mean, I don't like to be negative about movies. Like even movies that I don't love. Um, and this did, definitely had some redeeming stuff just for me, like, I'm glad that it clicks for other people, but this is two two tries I've given this movie, and it didn't click either time for me. So it's I think that's like I gave it a chance. Yeah. Well, why don't we find out if it clicked for our listeners? All right. Good call. All right. So uh, first person is Jeff. Always. He said uh, the uh, you know the, as I said, he's the one who texted me incoherent advice, which I, I very much <laughs> very much appreciate that joke. Did um, not make its way into his feedback, but I want to make sure that. That joke gets called out. He said, somehow I think that this is a comedy that fails on all fronts to deliver any comedic moments. It's also a mystery that really doesn't get adequately wrapped up. I was left wondering why they bothered to make the movie in the first place. Uh, probably money, Jeff, I would yeah. guess. Uh, I wasn't interested in the characters or the storylines, and it didn't seem to resolve into anything. So why? I think it's safe to say I'm officially not a fan of Paul Thomas Anderson. I give this one a 1.5. See, I used to say that. That's the thing. I used to say I'm not a fan of Paul Thomas Anderson. Mm-hmm. And now I have to say I don't think it's PTA. I think it's – I think a lot of times it comes down to the lead performance and whether I re- whether it resonated with me or not. Yeah. For example, for example, the lead in – you know, the Daniel Day Lewis performance in Phantom Thread, which we've talked about – just didn't resonate with me and I didn't connect with that performance on any level. And that's why I didn't get into that movie. Whereas I can totally resonate and get into the Philip Seymour Hoffman performance in the master or the Wahlberg performance in the big, in Boogie Nights or the, you know, Tom Cruise and Philip Seymour Hoffman performances in Magnolia. You know, it's, I, I need something to connect me to the character and there's nothing engaging for me about, Joaquin Phoenix's performance in this film. Yeah. I'm and I'm half tempted to tell Jeff, watch There Will Be Blood before you decide if you right. like Paul Thomas Anderson, because I, I think that's most people would say that's his best movie. But I'm also thinking, A, maybe someday we're going to watch There Will Be Blood on this podcast, so you can save it for that. And B, 
if I, I, I don't know if you didn't if you didn't like Boogie Nights, I think Boogie Nights is the most approachable Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Hey. And if Boogie Nights didn't work for him, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But There Will Be Blood is seriously very, very good. It is not a super bloody movie, despite the title, Jeff. Uh, I will agree with him on the comedic thing. Like the, the comedy, also. Like I don't, I don't know how this was classified as a comedy. Like it's quirky for sure. It shouldn't be classified like as a comedy. comedy. Yeah. It's not really a comedy. Like it's not like we're watching, you know, Step Brothers or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> not this week. Maybe next week. Um, I like it. Step. Why did Why did you go to Step Brothers? I don't know. It was the first comedy that popped into my head. Don't abandon thinking, your child just yet, Jeff. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, you're thinking of uh, John C. Riley. Yeah, because I know. of because yeah. um, of PTA. All yeah. right. Well, why don't we go on to Owen? Uh, Owen says again, an admirable Paul Thomas Anderson work, but not one I found enjoyable. Though the style and theme had me slightly more interested than Boogie Nights. Plus points, beautifully shot, good acting throughout, great to see Martin Short cameo, had a good choice of Neil Young songs. On the minus points, unlike The Little Lebowski or Marlowe, this had a lead character I didn't particularly enjoy carrying me through the movie. That makes two of us on. Like Boogie Nights, I could feel the movie hitting all the beats of its genre. Uh, Bar Martin Short felt a lot of stunt casting for some smaller roles, would have been less distracting if done by good character actors rather than big names. Three out of five, three out of five, half a point more than I gave Boogie Nights. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, what stunt casting do you think he's talking about? Like Maya Rudolph, probably. I'm yeah, I mean, one. the Maya Rudolph one didn't really bother me at all. I don't think anybody else was really stunt casting. I mean, Eric Roberts isn't stunt casting. I mean, is he? Yeah, Timothy Simmons. Uh, although at the time, I mean, he wasn't. He yeah, hadn't been on. Really, yeah. No, I mean, that's true. Eric Roberts hadn't been in anything on a ma- in a major motion picture in forever. So the sort of like disappearing actor showing up to be in the rehab facility, I actually really liked. You know, I liked. I liked that it was Eric Roberts. I mean, Michael, I maybe Michael like, K. Williams. Um, he, although I, I, I maybe that's what he's talking about. I actually really like Michael K. Williams in this because yeah. you think because it's a big name actor, we're going to see him pop up again in the movie. Exactly. We never and see him. Again. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, I was fine with it. Um, there is like there is an actor in this movie named Martin Dew, which is such a funny name for for any person. Oh, he's in Empire Strikes Back as well. Uh, oh man, Martin he's Dew? in Phantom Thread, The Master, Inherent Vice. Empire Strikes Back and Indiana Jones and the in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and then a movie called the Island Song. Uh, let's see who Martin Dew plays in Empire. Uh, I've sure heard talking of... about Martin Donovan and you missed. Nope. Mar- there's Martin Dew. He plays uh, Cloud City Guard, uncredited in Empire right, Strikes then. Back. Nice. Yeah. Uh, hey, I love Martin. Another. Uh, what's your what's favorite flavor? Of... What's your favorite what? flavor of Martin, Martin Dew? Is it uh, Code Red? Yeah, it's definitely Baja Code. It's, it's definitely Order sixty six. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Martin Dew. In this movie, he's do- uh, Dr. Buddy Tubeside. I don't know. Wow. I don't know what that means. All right. Uh, I don't know. Do you think he's a dentist or do you think he's one of the vets? Uh, I think he was in the um, I think he was probably in the rehab scene. Oh, or a rehab doctor. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, I did reference this earlier. So I uh, actually was scanning on the letterbox to see people's ratings of this i saw john kilpatrick gave this uh john kilpatrick one of the co-hosts of there will be pod with obsonensky yep. and sammy chester uh also john kilpatrick john g who is john he can, g he listen can be john our, g for us yeah listen to our memento podcast from last year and you can find out who john g was uh so he uh, i said 
hey, wow, you're a huge Inherent Vice fan. We're talking about that. You should send us some feedback. He said, I will definitely send you feedback. So uh, I think this will be a little different than what Brennan and I have been talking about. John says, wanted to give some of my thoughts on Inherent Vice. My second favorite Paul Thomas Anderson film after There Will Be Blood and my second favorite film of the 2010s after Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, I love it. There Will Be Blood. I love Inside Lewin Davis. So um, I like his first ones. He said, I appreciate that the film is so aggressively romantic. And I appreciate even more that the love at the film's heart is between its characters and a place in time that's slipping away. The, the Ouija board fueled run through the rain with Doc and Shasta is, I think, the scene that crystallizes this the best. That ultimately makes the film resonant and relatable. Even if you haven't lived through the swinging 60s in Southern California, we all mourn for the time in our lives that seems simple, innocent, and carefree. That the film is laugh-out-loud hysterical is uh, in between its bouts of mournfully romantic nostalgia makes it even all the more impressive. And as far as the mystery goes, it's fair for anyone to t- try to keep up with how the heroin dealers connect to the real estate developers or the Black Panthers to the cabal of evil Dennis to feel like they've lost the thread. But for all the mystery movies that feel like 10-piece jigsaw puzzles to be put together in 60 seconds or less, I enjoy that this one's pieces are better off rolled up and smoked than laid out in perfect order on the table. Five out of five. Very well said. That's a really, really awesome review, and I appreciate John writing in with that. Um, mm-hmm. I He said a lot of the things we said about, like, the sort of loss of nostalgia and the, you know, uh, yearning for a bygone era that's ending and the having to grow up and all of that. Um, he said it much more eloquently than I think I did when I read right. a little yeah, yeah. about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's and I, really... I like that he I like that he talked about the Ouija board uh, mm. run, right? The the Ouija field run through the rain. I think um, you know that was something I picked up on. I really like that scene, um, and I, yeah, I appreciate like just how much this movie works for him and uh, works for a lot of people who really love this mm. movie. Um, I'm not one of them, but um, I just don't know if I picked up on as much of the nostalgia. Um, right. And one thing I did notice actually when I was looking through an. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson movies is that Paul Thomas Anderson was born in June of 1970. Mm. So, so it's he interesting. Grew up with everybody talking about how awesome the 60s. I would be curious yeah. if the reason why he picked 1970 yeah. is because it's his birth year, mm-hmm. uh, which makes it very different. If I made a movie that uh, took place in 1985, or if you made one that took place in 1980, like I think there would be a romanticism about that time period, right? For sure. and, um, you know, and I think again, like we talked about during during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, just like the end of an era at the end of the the late 1960s, um, you know that that that's what that's what's going on in this movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think I think you know that's that's really good feedback from him, and I'm I'm glad that that he loves this movie so much. So, yeah, I'm glad he wrote that in because it gives like yeah. good, it gives a good counterpoint to my nitpicks and and your uh, absolutely. You know, and I mean, it's nice to know that you know. Some people are okay with, like, you can point out the same things in a movie, and some people are okay with those and, and things, and some people will see them as a flaw. And, mm-hmm. and it's they're both valid. I think yeah. they're both valid ways to look, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Uh, Jim Crumley says, I could never get into this movie. It had a couple of interesting scenes and characters, but Doc's story just didn't do much for me. Um, and he gives it a two out of five. And then uh, Megan the Librarian also gives it a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, she did not um, write in this week, but I went ahead, Shame. And, I went ahead Shame. and pulled Megan's score off of Letterboxd. 
Um, why don't you round it out with your brother? Yeah, so my brother, um, who he's the one he talks to me before me, and he he talked this movie up a lot. He's a mm-hmm. huge Joaquin Phoenix fan, um, unlike Brendan. And I kind of feel like like, you know, my brother sort of dresses like Doc sometimes. He kind of has that same like hair and facial hair. He's mm-hmm. a dog walker, so he's not a private investigator, but he's he you know, he's he's just roaming the streets of Washington D.C. Uh, in a little bit of a haze, much like looking Doc for is, mysteries so. to get into. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, this movie, no surprise at all, very much connected for him. Uh, He said, I've seen this movie multiple times, and I think you really need to understand what you just saw. Uh, I'm still working through it, but I know I like it a little bit more each time. Gets better on each watch. 4.5 out of 5. Nice. uh, I do not know if he watched it again. I texted him this morning and said, hey, your advice is rented on my Amazon account if you want to watch it again. But I didn't hear if he watched it. I don't believe he did. Um. Well, why don't I go ahead and give my score first? On so that averages for our listeners. What's the yeah? Listener? It's a three point two five from the listeners. Right. So there we it's, go. I mean, listeners are all over the map. So we had yeah, we had, we had a one point five, a two, a three, a three point five, yeah. a four point five, and a five from the listeners. Yep. We had so almost every, every score. score. Yeah. yeah. Boom! Nailed it. Yeah. All right. Well, I am probably pretty close to the listener average. Um. So I liked I liked bits of this movie. Um, as we talked about, I really loved the Josh Brolin performance. I thought the Martin Short cameo, uh, Dennis Dicarche scene was the best, the middle best part of the movie right there in the middle. Um, we didn't really talk about Benicio del Toro, but I enjoyed him popping up on screen. I just wish he underutilized given, in this movie. He was underutilized. I wish he'd be given a little more to do. Um. It'll be kind of hard to connect from him since he didn't have much to do in this movie, but I might try later. We'll see. Um, but overall, I think that maybe I just haven't done enough drugs to truly appreciate <laughs> this movie, and that could be part of it. Um, but this is just just didn't hit for me, and I think it all comes back to that Joaquin Phoenix performance like we talked about. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a solid three out of five. Three out of five for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so uh, I actually did like the the Joaquin Phoenix performance. It's one of the the few bright spots in this movie for me. Um, yeah, it, it didn't hit for me either. You know, maybe we need a ch- Chester on here to uh, do some drugs and then watch this movie like he did with Big Lebowski, and he could have appreciated it a little bit more. Um, this would have been a, a fun one to have somebody who's just, like, not at all familiar with this type of movie watch and have to talk about. Like, I was, I texted you earlier. I was like, oh, we should have had Taylor yeah, in this movie. Yeah, like, this would have been a very funny one for Taylor to have to break down and be like, what the hell did I just watch? Can you um, imagine having Hilly Strong come in on and right, talk about yeah, exactly. this movie? Yeah. <laughs> um, we have to keep that in mind when we want to just really yeah, throw somebody in the deep sure. end of some weird-ass movie that we're going to talk about. Um, so I'm a 2.5. I'm a little lower than you. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, as you were talking about some of the stuff in this movie, I, I was thinking, oh, maybe a little bit closer to a three. But I just I've given this movie two shots. The first half, the second time, I liked it mm-hmm. better. But once I got to the second half and, you know, basically once we get Owen Wilson's character introduced, I just the, the movie loses too much of its phantom thread for me at that point. Um, it's definitely the lowest Paul Thomas Anderson for me. Um, although maybe maybe I need to watch Hard Eight again and see if I don't like Hard Eight as much as I think I liked Hard Eight. I really um, enjoyed Hard Eight, and I thought Hard Eight was a really easy breezy watch. Yeah, um, I mean I, it's I, an intense movie. It's not like it's not breezy, but it's like a very quick watch. Like it yeah, moves. It has a good pace to it. It's interesting, you know. Uh, John was talking about nostalgia, right? Like. Mm. As you get further, that's why I love to write my letterbox reviews as soon as I finish watching movie, just because I like to capture right. my immediate thoughts on it. And then sometimes I'll exactly. go in and edit a couple days later. But that's why we have a uh, yeah, 
it's it's I like to just capture my immediate thoughts. And so I'm, I, it's interesting that my immediate thoughts after Heart Eight were like, eh, I don't know if I really like that. But now I look back with this like rose colored glasses, much like the nostalgia in right. this movie where I'm like, no, it was great. You know, I, I really well, it's like that. we talk about the, the movies that we grew up with in the 80s and how we have this nostalgia for these movies that like probably we would think are not great now, like Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, you know, <laughs> which we did Mixed last nuts, year. Yeah. Where you know, mm-hmm. where we have this nostalgia for these movies that we grew up with and watched a ton that probably are not very good, but their 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 legend is still there in our head. Right. You know, like I think I think of for me, like Blank Check, Camp Nowhere, yeah, uh, right. exactly. Heavyweights, like these movies that, you know, if you just have some random adult watch it, they're gonna be like, What the hell exactly. is this? And it's kind of like yeah. I didn't grow up with the Goonies. So when I watched the right. Goonies, I'm kind of like, this is sort of stupid. What is Spe- this? Yeah. Speaking of Josh Brolin, um, whereas most people our age love the Goonies because they grew up watching the Goonies a million times on VHS. Right. So, uh, all right. Well, uh, 2.5 for me, 3 for you, and 3.25 for the listeners. So That's going to be a 2.91 average, which is one of our lowest of the year, but we're going to bump that up to a 3 for letterbox scoring. Yeah, and uh, we have been on a chat with Mac, who has been yep. watching this for the first time, and he's about halfway through, and he loves it. So yeah, uh, I wish he had gotten his rating in in time, but that's unfortunate, uh, unfortunate timing on his part. Yep, uh, you got you got to prioritize your movie watching over your kids, Mac. Come on, absolutely, so, man. Come on, Good. Uh, don't grow up too fast, Mac. Right. All right. Well, uh, let's get into our connections to previous movies. So yep. obviously, this one was a uh, connection to that L.A. detective story. Both takes place in the 70s. Both This and Long Goodbye take place in the 70s. Um, as as you pointed out, both with something hanging out of their mouth all the time that they're smoking. Yep. Um, I think some of the female characters are similar in this. Like the na- we have the neighbors, it, yep. Marlo's neighbors last week, and we have the Shasta character and some of the other females that he meets yep. in this. Um, we had uh, the loony bin popping up. And, yep, and our big... Uh, our big older character, you know, put putting themselves in there to get away mm-hmm. from whatever their their problem is. Um, we also had themes of adultery in both movies, too, and storylines that center yep. around adultery. Yep. So, um, anything else that you have in terms of major connections between the two movies? Um, not that we didn't already hit on, just sort of the schlubby, the schlubby P.I. And, the you know, we had a couple of car chases that were similar. We had the the. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? The the relationship between the straight laced cops and the schlubby PI. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we between you get that with Bigfoot and with the cops who are all hard asses in the long goodbye. At the beginning, um, yeah. Yeah. So um, did I say adultery already? You did. You did. Okay. Uh, yeah. and then the, yeah. the the beach houses and everything yep. Yep. and like LA the, Beach. Yeah. I uh, again go back. I I love that LA Beach vibe. Um, mm-hmm. I do really I, I love the way that Inherent Vice opens with that shot of like the two beach houses next to each other. You yeah. can see that it's, you know, sundown and you yeah. can see the um, you can see the ocean from there. It does make me want to just go back to California and just like hang out at like Huntington <laughs> Beach or, um, you know, uh, one of these areas uh, where I'm trying to remember what's the name of the beach, uh, like where Muscle Beach is in, in L.A. Like um, uh, Santa Monica. No, it's south of Santa Monica. I, I can't believe I can't think of where this place is. Uh, it's, it's uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah. Right. One that, yeah, anyway. Um, but the the other part is, like, sort of the, the way the soundtrack was used to move different characters through space, I thought was very similar to um, mm-hmm. 
between PTA and Robert Altman in both of these movies. Um, Venice Beach. I think Venice. There you go. And I think there were a lot of um, the way the soundtrack was used also to accentuate specific moments um, was was very similar. And I think there were even moments in this where the same song was used in a different way multiple times, like um, happened in uh, Long Goodbye. So there you go. Yeah, it wasn't the same song over and over again. No. Um, so, you know, that's one thing Jeff can't complain about about this movie. He use the same song <laughs> over and over again. Yeah. So, all right. What about other movies that we've done this year? I have a couple written down. All right. Um, so, yeah, we have, uh, you know, crazy, crazy uh, car rides or cab rides. We have, um, you know, public transportation. Um, we have. So here's the, some big ones. You're you're getting some small ones. So, I mean, obviously, we have Paul Thomas Anderson, third Paul yeah, Thomas I mean, Anderson TTA, movie. obviously, yeah. yeah. Um, we had Owen Wilson popping back up as after yep. uh, Meet the Parents. We had Maya Rudolph popping back up. She was in the way, way back. Good point. Yeah. Um, and we had a Last Supper shot in this movie, which I know oh, yeah. we had in MASH and I think Life of Brian as well. Yep. We had a Last Supper shot. A, yep, there's some Last Supper shots shot saying Life of Brian. Yep. Um, uh, Dirty Dancing, that take pl- I never can remember. That took place in the late 60s, right now. Yeah, 70s. that's in the Catskills in the early 60s, 1963. Okay. Mm-hmm. 64 or something like that yeah. yeah um i don't think that you know the doc character is you know doc could have been a nickname given to a character in mash as well right yeah, like they're all right. there are doctors obviously but yeah. you could obviously Different types of doctors yeah you could drop doc into mash right i think i think i said nashville i do it every single time but nashville. you could drop him into yeah. mash uh and Perfect. you know he could be he could be there with hawk with hawkeye and uh and l equals character in mash yep so um yeah. Anything else that that comes to mind? Do we have anything else like kind of drug related? I mean, I um, not not off the top of oh. my head. Um, nothing nothing super connected as far as the drug stuff goes. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we'll have more drugs coming up. I mean, that, I mean, in the way back, he's you know a drug addict, right? And, well, yeah, uh, and he goes to, well, in the way yeah. back. He goes to rehab. He goes to rehab so, so in Southern go. California, like yep. on the beach. So yeah, yep. good call. There you go. Cool. Uh, all right. And uh, movie map time. So what is the movie this connects to the best from season one? So I thought the the feeling of it and sort of the frenetic drug hazed storytelling um, really reminded me of Bad Times at the El Royale, mm. especially near the end where our main character gets tortured mm. and hung up and has to escape um, from right. the uh, from the Aryan guys. Mm-hmm. That really reminded me of the uh, climax of Bad Times at the El Royale, um, you know, because there's John lots of, Hamm and John Hamm yeah. and Josh Brolin are kind of like yeah. very similar. And there's lots of double crosses and drugs and money and things exchanging hands and mm-hmm. people dying that, you know, that unexpectedly and getting shot through a doorway. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, it, so I, I put down Bad Times at the El Royale as the big one. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, obviously, we talked about What's About Time in Hollywood and Shampoo uh, being yeah. similar, taking place just like a year And I was trying not movie. to go back to those just because yeah. we had just done them. Yeah, that's but, true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my movie to... math is uh, another movie that we didn't rate very highly as a podcast mm-hmm. last year, and that is The Doors. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought about I think, The Doors. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it, you basically could be watching characters from The Doors trying to solve a mystery. Yeah, he's got a real Jim Morrison feel, for sure. And and yeah. Owen Wilson's character, Coy, he's a um, saxophone player, right? He's a musician. Sure. Yeah, he's a musician. So, yep. Yeah. Um, okay. um, so cool. what are we going to call this? Incoherent? 
Uh, I like uh, coherent voice. Um, yeah, but that's not really the that wouldn't be the connection. I wrote down "Sleepy LA Detective" as our as our title connection, um, because they're both they're both kind of that sleepy feeling, that hazier, hazy LA detective maybe. Sleepy the sleepy detectives. Um, but I think we gotta have LA in there because they the both movies take place in LA. Okay. Um, I, I think hazy LA detective, sleepy LA detective, something like that is sure. probably uh. Fitting. Fuzzy LA detective. Yeah. Not fuzzy. Not fuzzy. Hazy or sleepy, I would say. You pick. Hazy's fine. All right. Hazy LA detective it is. Or Trey. And thank you for remembering our title connection, because I was just about to move right on to our ladder rungs. Oh. Um, uh, we might actually be under 108 minutes. Hey, uh, let's, looking let's at our see. timer Wait, in the corner. There, buddy. Yeah, let's, let's see how long the ladder rungs take. All right. Well, uh, with that, that was a uh, th- 2.91 average between us and the listeners let's move on to our ladder rung suggestion section this is where we're going to pick our movie for next week once we do pick our movie for next week make sure you send in that feedback at ladder movie the movie ladder at gmail.com if you want to send Brendan an email send in your feedback on the movie and then your connections for the following week um just as a note we probably were going to have to record a little bit early the following week um, yep. So we'll remind you guys again next week, but if you watch along with us, which we always suggest you do, and we appreciate everybody who does that, it's great to have kind of this community of people who watch these movies every week and send in their feedback. Um, you're probably going to want to prioritize that and watch it uh, probably by that weekend. So we're still figuring out what the schedule is, but Brendan is going to his own beach, and I am going yeah. to Washington, D.C. So we're both going to be traveling those couple weeks after Labor Day. So Go to a hazy, hazy beach. Hazy beach. Hopefully you don't have to solve any mysteries. Um yeah. I think uh, one thing we might want to think about next week is just finding something that's like mm, we might want to prioritize something that's accessible for people. For sure. Um, if yeah. if we're trying to ask people to watch sooner, we might want to not have to wait on a library or a rental. Right. Or a and TV. I mean the other the other thing that worked really well last year when we decided to shoehorn in a movie is just do one that we knew that you and I could cover and not worry as much about the listener feedback like we did with uh, with Bad Times because it was yes. a movie we knew we both could knock out. And but then, we're not doing we're not planning know. on doing a double. We're just doing no. it. We're probably going to record like over the weekend instead of on Tuesday night. Although right. we are also thinking there might be a way for us to record in person the following movie because right. we're both going to be in D.C. for a couple of days crossing over. We'll so be kind of happens. trying to find yeah. some equipment to make that happen. All right. With that, let's see what we got for ladder rung suggestions. First from Jeff. First one is uh, this movie's come up the last few weeks. This is Nice Guys, detective comedy that's actually somewhat funny, and I think also takes place in the '70s as well. Um, True. So we could do a third '70s detective movie in a row. Um, Well, I'll save it for when we start picking. Uh, I have Mm -hmm. a commentary on that. Uh, Next one, Beverly Hills Cop, detective comedy that's also funny. Same reason as above. And third one. Jeff's going with the theme here. 48 Hours, detective comedy that's actually funny. Uh, I've never um, seen 48 Hours. Actually. You've never seen 48 Hours. So 48 nope. Hours, you get the straight-laced, gruff, Bigfoot-esque detective, esque detective played by Nick Nolte, mm-hmm. paired up with the uh, screw-up uh, Eddie Murphy character. So, oh, you know, it's a, it's, a decent, uh, it's a decent parallel. It's yeah. actually not too bad. All three of those, really, you have the kind of, like, it's like yep. the same thing you get in, uh, like, Rush Hour as well. Yeah, right? it's the buddy, the, cop straight, thing, yeah. the straight, yeah, buddy Cop. Yeah, Buddy Cop. All right. Uh, this is one I actually had on my list uh, as well. So John says, I feel like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a pretty close cousin to this film in terms of its setting mm-hmm. and genre and sensibility. So it's a, it's a California noir that's not too serious. 
Uh, you could have also gone the route of movies about nostalgia, which I think is ultimately what makes Inherent Vice so compelling. So a couple other options. Um, I'll just take his first couple for official yep. suggestions and then throw some uh, in here as his also ran. So the Grand Budapest Hotel, also from 2014, American Graffiti and Dazed and Confused. Um, and then a couple other ones that he has on there. Uh, Amarcord, The World's End and The Curious Case of Benjamin Button are yep. other nostalgia movies, but we won't actually officially submit those. Uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Does that have Robert Downey Jr. in it? That is the RDJ. Uh, yeah. I th- I think I saw on the Wikipedia page for Inherent Vice that they were considering Robert Downey Jr. as the lead as Doc in Inherent Got Vice. Got it. Interesting. So That's that would be an interesting connection as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jim, he said, for ladder rung, I'm going to go with another Vice, Michael Mann's of Miami Vice. Yep. Well, it's not set in L.A., drugs definitely connect these two movies. Uh, that's sure. an interesting connection. Also, um, you know, uh, you know, we're going from one coast to the other. So coastal, yep. coastal cops. All right, and then Av, our uh, former co-host, John's co-host on There Will Be Pod, he suggested uh, two movies, both for obvious connections as L.A. noir movies. That is Chinatown and Under the Silver Lake. Yeah, uh, Brendan, you have seen Under the Silver Lake. I have, I have. Yeah, and that's why I was saying this. Um, the relationship between Shasta and um, the uh, Joaquin Phoenix character definitely reminded me of the uh, lead character and pixie dream girl story in under the silver lake for sure and and uh as i mentioned in our in our main review under the silver lake was the movie that i personal ladder connected to uh inherent vice on when i did this a couple years ago so it'd be going the reverse order if we did under the silver lake next um all right and then uh aaron my brother said johnny greenwood was the composer for we need to talk about kevin and not enough people are talking about that movie so that's his pick Uh, his other one is scarface uh, because there's a lot surrounding Vice in that movie, and Brian De Palma mm-hmm. is awesome. So There you go. Fair enough. Oh, Olin. Damn it. Olin took my great connection that I came up with. So I thought about this today. <laughs> it's coming off my list. But from 1972, okay. What's uh-huh. Up, Doc? There is a movie called What's Up, Doc? from 1972. Uh, that is said regularly in Inherent Vice. It's also based around 1970s California. Uh, has Movie Ladder podcast All-Star Madeline Khan in an early role. Yeah. Uh, this is my commentary. I also saw the synopsis talks about how like one one event triggers like a bunch of zany and crazy happening. So to right. me, like I was like I saw that when I was looking through movies on Letterboxd today and I was like, oh, that's definitely the movie I want to pick. <laughs> also, fun story. I get the daily emails from the AFI and every every there day that go. they send like a movie trivia. So they they describe a movie and then you click through and it reveals what the movie was. And today's movie was What's Up, Doc? Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah. Is that the Barbara Streisand movie? Yes, Barbara Streisand is nice. in that. Um, so, yeah, that I saw that and I was like, ooh, what a great connection that I came up with. Uh, I hope nobody else has that. What that quote came up with. Uh, I like Olin and I, too. No, no I, came, I came up with it before AFI. I found okay. it, and then I got that oh, email okay, from okay, AFI okay, after, okay. and I was like, wow, this is a sign from Isn't love it? that we're supposed to yeah, pick fair enough. Subdoc. No, I came up with Subdoc like this morning. All right, so other ones that uh, Olin said in Walk the Line, which uh, we just mentioned yeah, earlier. It was also on nine, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix team up for another film about a drug addict. And yep. Little Shop of Horrors, Martin from 1986, Martin Short's touring comedy partner, Steve Martin, also plays a dentist. A sadistic dentist. Um, but a drug, Martin, a drug abusing dentist. But Martin He's Short, drug- Martin Short isn't in Little Shop of Horrors, right? It's just Steve. No, Martin. it's Steve Martin, but it's also a Martin, and they're they're in they're on tour together, like they're BFS. I but mean, it is, I mean, the, the 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 connection of a drug abusing dentist is a pretty good connection. 
That's true. I was trying Sherlock to think of movies with dentists. Yeah. Uh, so drug abusing dentists. would our title connection for that be Dr. Martin DDS? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so it would be Dr. Martin DDS. Yes. All right. That is the, that is the connection. All right, All right, I get to go first this Really? Round. Didn't you go first last week? No, I switched our names, I promise. All right. Okay. All right. Go for it. All right, uh, Walk the Line was on mine, as you as, a, as well as a couple others. I'm going to throw in there, um, if we're going to go Josh Brolin as a cop, let's go Josh Brolin as a criminal. We've talked about the movie before. Let's go back to the Coens and go No Country for Old Men. Um, that one also... Come up a lot. On yep, my list has, as well. Has come up a lot. Um, also, I want to go with a Owen Wilson movie where he's teamed with a different Anderson, this time Wes Anderson, and I wanted to go with one I've never seen, so I picked the Digitaling Limited. Um, also wanted to go... Can you say, can you say the title one more time? The uh, Digitaling Limited? I think it's the Digitaling. Digitaling? If we pick this, we're going to have to figure out how to say it. Um, wanted to go with another movie that I've never seen... Uh, starring Catherine Waterston in a um, ensemble film, uh, Steve Jobs. And then I decided maybe I should give Joaquin Phoenix one more shot. And I decided to pick the highest rated movie on his letterbox mm. that I haven't seen. And that's going to be his self-titled I'm Still There. Or I'm sorry, I'm Still Here. And it, I believe it's autobiographical or something like that. Yeah, I think he released this when he um, came back, like he had his big comeback. Yeah, so that's, um, do I want to throw in one more? Nah, I'm not going to throw in one more. If I, don't pay, if I don't take it. Yeah, um, if you don't, yeah, if you don't take anything else, I'll come back. But the, I have a few other also rants that I'll save for after your picks. Go for it. What you got? Right, so, uh, yeah, so. Um, I also had No Country for Old Men on my list. I'm really mad that Olin took What's Up Doc. I had What's Up Doc on my list. Um, and I have, all right, so one, I think this is just like, I. so this is what I was going to say earlier. I We've done so many detective movies. We've done so many Paul Thomas Anderson movies. We've done so many just like, uh, like I feel like we've done a lot of no similar more. movies over the last like couple months. And, and so I... Um, I didn't want to pick another noir. I don't want to pick another detective story. Like Under the Silver Lake is the obvious next connection. It's, I agree. it's, it's too similar to this movie. I want to do something different. Um, so one movie that's very different and the connection is a character named Doc. Uh, obviously my favorite movie. I think it might be time to do Back to the Future. Um, mm. I was also thinking maybe Back to the Future Part 2 instead of Part 1. And I do not remember why I was thinking Part 2 instead of Part 1 when I was watching this movie yesterday. And mm. I obviously brought up Part 3 earlier. Um, yeah. Do you know why I would have been thinking part two instead of part? Um, I can't think of it right off the top of my head now. Yeah, it might have had to do with Marty being. Something's got to be done about this. Marty kids. Marty in, in disguise as the detective, maybe. Does it he was call that. him a hippie? Does he get called no. a hippie? He gets called chicken. Either way, uh, back to the future. We could do one. We could do two. I, if we did two, I'd watch both. Uh, both. If we did three, I'd watch all three. But um, yeah. Uh, I'd be down to do one and two in a single shot. Oh, all right. Interesting. We think about that. Uh, next one uh, came up earlier. It's one I've seen. Wouldn't mind revisiting it. Benicio del Toro, drugs, yep. L.A. desert, fear and loathing, uh, mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. Um, next one. Um, Catherine Waterston is in a movie that uh, some might say is the best movie of 2007. I don't know if either mm. of us would say that, but that would be Michael Clayton. Uh, also, Ditch Attorneys in I that movie. I actually didn't pick Michael Clayton. <laughs> yeah 
Uh, <laughs> I yeah. saw that on her filmography and it was like, damn it, Ringer. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Ringer loves Michael Clayton. And Brendan and I were just talking the other day about uh, how like, the, is Michael Clayton really that good? Because the Ringer talks about it all the time. So we could we could. Find someone who loves you as much as the Ringer likes to not say Zodiac is the best yeah. movie of 2007. Uh, you mean what? You mean there will be blood? But yeah. Um, or into the wild. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Speaking of 2007, uh, how about Detective Josh Brolin? in American Gangster. Nice. So, uh, it's a movie actually you and I have talked about recently, but neither of us have watched it. Um, we have done so watched it. I mean, you know, it is another cop movie, but it's, uh, yep. this is going to focus on, you know, that, that wow. kind of, we have that it's antagonist. Yeah, yeah, we have that antagonist played by Denzel Washington, antagonist yep. played by Josh Brolin. I don't know which one is the actual antagonist. Um, mm-hmm. Or sorry, antagonist played by um, Russell, Russell Crowe, but yep. Josh Brolin is also in that movie. Great. Um, and uh, I'll go one more. Uh, this is Sorry. one only be I didn't think I'd even be able to say this because I figured it was going to come up on Jeff's list uh, and it did not. But Owen Wilson playing a cop in the 70s. How about Starsky and Hutch? Nice. Based on the TV show. Um, I have one more then that I'm going to throw in. And this I thought of. It's a nonsensical crime caper starring a character who you can't understand most of what they're saying because of their mumbling and um, vocal work. And that's going to be Brad Pitt in Snatch. Ah. So I thought the Brad Pitt character in Snatch reminded like me of that. like Yeah. So there, there you go. So Snatch is going to be my fifth one. Um, also, Rance, for me, I thought of Vice at the last second, the Dick Cheney movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, I like Vice. A lot of people didn't like that I did movie. like I Vice. I thought it was good. Yeah. yeah. And then I thought about um, real estate schemes, and I thought about throwing the big short out again, but I didn't... Hmm. That's and then I thought about made by the same guy. Uh, yeah. And I thought about Wild. Um, I, I have Wild on my list. I have Logan Lucky on my list as well. Catherine yeah. Waterston crime. But I think yeah. that's um, Logan Lucky has come up a bunch on this podcast. I think there will be a yeah, better chance for Logan Lucky than this movie. So, well, all right, Brendan. Pretty good list to pick from. So let's yeah. scroll back up. To the what are our choices? For... All right, we have The Nice Guys, Beverly Hills Cop, 48 Hours. Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, The Grand Budapest Hotel, American Graffiti, Days to Confused, Miami Vice, Under the Silver Lake, Chinatown, We Need to Talk About Kevin, Scarface, What's Up Doc, Walk the Line, Little Shock of Horrors, No Country for Old Men, The Dejarling Limited, Steve Jobs, I'm Still Here, Snatch, Back to the Future 1 and 2, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Michael Clayton, American Gangster, Starsky and Hutch. What hmm. do you say you... All right, I'm going to do What's Up, Doc. It's on my list. I uh, it's a great yeah. connection. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to take that. So uh, I I don't know if anybody's seen What's Up, Doc that listens to this podcast. So Yeah, and the first movie that... I mean, not to piggyback on Owen and give him all the credit, but the first movie I thought of and it just also is a major connection and makes the most sense is uh walk the line as well i had on my also rands and didn't end up putting it up once i uh, i am not gonna do walk the line i just no no okay i, I don't know i just i, I mean i'll pick something else then. you um, can pick it if you want i so i watched walk the line on my personal ladder uh recently recently it's fine oh, but it's just okay. like well i mean in in 2019 so uh not that recently it's just it's just not one i really am like dying to revisit I don't really want to go with another noir, 
Um, but I do think we could go with another drug culture movie that is baked in nostalgia. And it's the end of the summer. Why not talk about a movie that focuses on the beginning of summer to bookend our summer uh, summer of love? And I'm going to throw in Days and Confused. Ah, oh, Days All right. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't know. There's something about uh, Walk the Line that, like, it's fine, but it's just, like, it's there's nothing else besides, like, if you've seen it, you've seen it. I don't think there's anything right, else. Right, right. Yeah, um, I don't think so. Yeah. Days and Confused is interesting because I, uh, I've i never been a huge Days and Confused fan, so I would be interested in And it's baked in nostalgia for me. I absolutely, yeah. it's, yeah. All right. Uh, so what are you going to pick from my list? From your list, uh, let's see, so I have No Country. No Country is kind of standing out um, right. because it's one, I mean, it's one I'm not revisiting until we revisit it on this podcast, but I I don't know. Um, it's also another no, noir-esque movie, yeah. so I don't know if we want to go back to that well again. I always get Especially. Benicio Del Toro and Javier Bardem. Like, not, I don't yeah. get them confused, but they're both Spanish actors. They both were in James Bond movies. Right. Um, yeah, let's throw No Country on there. Why not? It's a, at least a little bit different than what we've been doing. It's more of a Western than a noir. Yeah, so. that's true. It is very Western-y. And, uh, the, you know, this movie, uh, uh, Inherent Vice, on the top of some people's best of the decade list, No Country for Old Men, on the top of a lot of people's best of the decade list the year, uh, the decade that's before. So so. Yeah. All right. Uh, now i got to pick something from yours. Um, well, I'm not picking Michael Clayton. <laughs> I'm not picking Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, I, I'm i kind of glad you're not picking that. I don't feel like watching that. I mean, there's not enough drugs in the world um, for Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I, I really enjoyed it in college when, you know, we would throw it on at 3 a.m. after a night of drinking and smoking pot. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that movie needs to be the focus of a podcast in a critical eye. <laughs> who says we do anything in a critical eye on this podcast touche touche um i think it would actually be really fun if the way we get through the next two weeks is to go ahead and pick back to the future one and two and do one next week and then record the second one at the end of next week hmm, and that could be our one-two punch to get around the scheduling issue People could send in feedback for both at the same time, and then you and I record each movie separately and put it together. So or, like, or I, I'm like together. very confused plan for this. I think we release them separately. If we're okay. do, if we do one movie per podcast because that keeps everything 52, you know, for Fine. the year. Well, all of that. Send, them, send in their feedback and rating for both at the same time is what I mean. And that'll yeah. help them get around. That'll help get around the short turnaround. I almost would. But I just don't know. I don't think the connection is strong enough for Back to the Future 1 and 2. But I think this is the week to do it if we do it. Yeah, but then we don't have a – so we don't have a ladder rung segment next week. We just go Back to the Future 1 to Back to right. the Future 2, and we Correct. just we don't even do a segment picking our next movie. Correct. Yes. Interesting. Um, that is what I'm suggesting. That could, the thing with that, it could line up that we do Back to the Future 1 on Tuesday. We Back to the Future 2 at the end of next week, Friday, Saturday. We release it. Exactly. You know – that weekend then there's a little longer layoff potentially setting up back to the future three for an in-person podcast when i'm in dc that's also true i just don't know that the connection is strong enough to go from this movie to back to the future 
is the problem. Yeah, it's just Doc, really. It's, it's I mean, Doc. I don't know. If, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no. I don't, I don't think it's strong enough, but I want it to work, but I don't think it's there. Well, it's got um, nostalgia, right? It's, I mean, it's going back to, it's going back 30 years. There is that theme of nostalgia and back to the He future. does have crazy hair and crazy sideburns. Um, Who? Who's oh, to say Doc? He, yeah, who's to say he didn't uh, invent a time machine 20 I mean, years down the line? This movie takes place 15 years after Inherent Vice. Could we say that Doc is Doc? That's what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, I think I have to pick something else from your list, unfortunately, because it's not okay. So here, what about this? Okay. I don't know if this works. We do Back to the Future one next on our normal time next Tuesday. Okay. We allow a suggestion, but Back to the Future two is auto suggested. It makes it, it has a buy to the finals. Back to the Future two. We see if there's a better suggestion between the listeners and us to beat out Back to the Future 2. And if there's not, then we're doing Back to the Future 2 at the end of the week. If this if this advances. The problem I have, again, is I just the name Doc. I don't know if it's strong enough. Although something does have to be done about those damn kids. Um, damn hippie kids. Your kids. Yeah. Your kids. Um, I mean... I don't know. I like, we will get to Back to the Future, I'm sure, at some point. So if you'd rather save it for when we have a better, I think uh, I'd rather save it till we have a better connection. But I do think it's a really good idea for a double podcast. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna uh, when go we with... do get to Back to the Future one, Back to the Future two, we're making this a rule now. It is written in the Constitution. Back to the Future two will get a buy to the finals. Correct. So it does not even need to be suggested when we get to I... remind us if we forget. Yeah. So and, I, I think it's yeah. the other Josh Brolin thing on the list, and I think it's American Gangster. Um, is going to be, be fun. my actual pick. Uh, and I think that I, can be really fun. Yeah, so, okay. <laughs> all of that, uh, you were just really trying to win this bet. Uh, all of that, yeah. <laughs> all of that, yeah, that was good. All of that, our final four are What's Up Doc, Dazed and Confused, No Country for Old Men, and American Gangster. Um, yeah. I think we throw out Dazed and Confused. I just don't I think, think so it's... Too. I don't think... If Back to the Future isn't a strong enough connection, the word nostalgia is not a good enough connection. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've got What's Up Doc... I, I I think What's Up Doc is the front runner. Um, American Gangster would be fun. It's been a very long time since I've seen that. No Country, I didn't like mm-hmm. when I first saw it, so I want to revisit it. Um, and What's Up Doc would be uh, new for both of us, correct? And I think Av would want to come back if we did No Country. Um, Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. If, is, is he a huge No Country fan? I feel like there's, I mean, there's a lot of people who love that movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm looking those up now. No Country, What's Up Doc, and what was the other one? American Gangster. American Gangster. Um, I believe American Gangster is on HBO. Um, American Gangster is not on anything. Uh, I mean, okay. it's, it's, uh, it's on Showtime, if you have Showtime. Gotcha. Otherwise, you got to rent it. Uh, okay. No Country for Old Men is not anywhere as well. That is, uh, got to rent that not even on Showtime. Yep. Um, or you can get it from your library. And What's Up Doc? Oh, we picked three that are just not streaming anywhere. What's Up Doc? Uh, rentable. But this one's only one ninety nine instead of the normal 2 or three ninety nine. So, nice. um I I think we do What's Up Doc. It's uh, I think it's going to be very different than what we've been watching. I think, I think it would be gonna, very fun. I think it's going to be very light and fun. I believe that I have this on my watch list because it was on like the greatest comedies ever list that I added. So like, everything the, I had seen to my watch list. It's a 70s movie, right? So it's on the it's on 72. the film spotting it's on the film spotting shortlist for the 70s as well. So mm-hmm. uh, Peter Bogdanovich. Um, so there will be a lot to talk about there. Mm. Um, Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, Madeline Kahn, Kenneth Mars. 
Don't we? Don't we? Didn't we have Kenneth Mars and something else? Edward Mars is what you're thinking of. Okay, I gotcha. think. Uh, yes, gotcha. this uh, was Young on Frankenstein. the. No, Young Frankenstein. Kenneth oh, Mars. Okay. Um, he's, this, uh, he's yeah. This this movie was on the BBC list of 100 greatest comedies of all time. Um, I ended up going through that list a few months ago and adding everything I hadn't seen from that list to my watch list. Yeah. That's how this ended up on my watch list. Gotcha. Um, well, yeah, let's do What's Up, Doc. It'll be fun to go back yeah. to the set. It's on a It'll... lot of these, like, top 100 lists. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's on, it's on a lot of big lists, so it's uh, pretty critically acclaimed. Um, I, I just think, like, that free, I mean, we already have, we, what, the title next week can just be What's Up, Doc, is, can be the connection as well as the title of the Point. podcast. And then maybe we do get to Back to the Future 1 and 2 next week. True, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll do our connection. Uh, this is on the watch list, oh, it's on the watch list of this podcast, on the watch list of Olin, um, <laughs> among other people. No, none of our listeners have logged it on Letterboxd. Uh, it is not. It is not streaming anywhere, but you can get it from your local library, you can rent it from any of the rental locations. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, hopefully it's not hard to find if you're overseas. I always hate when that happens. Yeah. I'm mildly things. surprised this isn't on a Criterion, but. Yeah, okay. it must not have a Criterion release. Um, yeah. And as you said, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Yep. So, um, and there's a there's a lot of ways to go with this cast and uh, director. So we'll see oh. what happens. Yeah. I didn't realize Peter Bogdanovich. He did the last picture show. Right. Yeah. He looks very And And Tabor uh, Moon. Yeah. F is for fake as well. He was yep. involved in, or he was on, he didn't do F is for fake. Sorry. He started that movie. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. I think this will be fun. Yeah. Um, it's probably a good time. So Barbara Streisand, I always confuse Barbara Streisand and Goldie Hawn, you know, ah, back from weird. Private Benjamin. Uh, Barbara Streisand was married to somebody who was just in a movie we we talked about, right? Um, yeah. She was oh, married to Ellie uh, Gould. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. 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 So. Nice. Um, I want to see what movie this came up for. So What's Up Doc came up on this podcast once before. Do you know what it was suggested from? Uh, no, I do not. Hit Let's me. take a look. I don't know. I'm looking. Dirty Dancing, uh, maybe? Groundhog Day, it looks like. Oh, strange. Unless well, I don't that's... know anything about this movie, so let's not spoil the uh, plot. Uh, no, it's not what's up. That was not what's up, Doc. Uh, uh, maybe Young Fra Oh, Young Frankenstein. That's uh, okay. Because I just of did Martin. a Google yeah. Doc search Got it. for because uh, of Kenneth Mars. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. So, yeah, that's uh, I'm just looking. Google Docs is taking forever to load. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why I'm making people sit through here. All right. All right. Well, you're you're uh, you're you're extending this past your your time. I am, buddy. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll figure it out. What what this is from? Before. All right. Okay. Well, uh, what's up, Doc? What's up, Doc? That's going to be our movie for next week. Um, the connection, of course, the line, what's up, Doc, was said a million times in yep. this movie, as well as in this podcast, probably. Yep. All right. Uh, Brennan, what are you going to watch this week? Uh, not really sure. Uh, hoping to get to a early screening of Shang-Chi this wow, weekend. How are you going to go to an early screening? Um, there have been a couple of them that have popped up for oh, nice. early release um, at Regal and at the... Um, uh, um angelica but we'll we'll see um and then i also what else am i watching i've uh, gotta watch the season five finale of lost again so that i can rate it properly oh me too um, i'm gonna watch that tonight yeah i need we to watch the season finale of survivor micronesia as well because i will be on rhap later this week Woo! doing the feedback show taking all of your questions for the patron feedback show on the number bleep 
ranked survivor season. Survivor. Well, I mean, I don't. Uh, you, it's not. I, I, I don't know why. Yeah, you can't point out that um, you're already <laughs> saying you're going to be on the Micronesia pod this week. So yeah. people, so people either, already know. Either you're but spoiling be, things. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I binge most of the season over the weekend. I only have the finale left to watch, which is kind of the most boring part. <laughs> um, because you know they ended up with only four people left, and two of them got to go because of the surprise final two. So, um, yeah. Would you, uh, if you were telling somebody who's never watched Survivor before, like yes. maybe one of our listeners who writes in every week, yes. would you tell him to start with Survivor Micronesia? Actually, yes. I yeah. think they would have a lot of fun with Survivor Micronesia um, as a first time watch. I mean, it's this is the first classic Survivor season I've rewatched in a long time since we went through all the seasons for Evolution of Strategies. So, I mean, I had a lot of fun rewatching this one, you know, between Saturday and Sunday. Um, a lot of craziness. I had forgotten how good the pre-merge actually is and so how well some of the characters in the pre-merge actually hold up. Um, yeah, other than that, not not too much else. Um, up to Unforgiven on my personal movie ladder, so I'm going to watch nice. that this week. Good and then um, it's Russia week or Soviet Union week on it the is. challenge. I don't know what I'm going to pick, but in Soviet Russia, a movie really watches you. So you, you should probably do Solaris. I feel like that's the biggest okay. Russian blind spot. Yeah. That you there's, have. there's a film spotting podcast that coincided with that. So yeah. yeah. Um, cool. Uh, and I uh, just I finally got this Google Doc to open. What's up, Doc? Was suggested by you off of Young Frankenstein. How was quickly it? you forget that you suggested this movie. <laughs> Well, way back know. in February. Oh, my sweet summer child. Or way, oh, way back in January. I don't know why I said February. Way back in January. Uh, way back. All right. The way, way back. In the January. way, way back, yes. Uh, uh, yeah, what am I going to watch this week? So, um, I like you, I need to watch the season five finale of Lost for the Down the Hatch rewatch podcast because, you know, nostalgia is a powerful drug. And, uh, oh, nostalgia is a powerful drug would have been a great, like, uh, tagline for this movie if we had chosen if we had chosen days to confused true yeah oh yeah (laughs) that's a good point um and yeah it's russia week it's also russia month i do a monthly movie challenge and i have to watch an eastern european movie by the end of the month so there are two russian movies on my watch list uh one is called uh now they see me yep and uh is that what it is it's called now now they see me and the other one is called stalker so because i've already seen solaris stalker sounds really good um, uh stalker's so supposed to be great um yeah. it's also uh same guy i did solaris um blanking yeah. on his name it is not called now they see me what is that movie called uh uh blanking man this it always sucks it's not letters never sent no it's uh okay. i have to look it up what the hell is that movie called it's uh oh well whatever all right uh, well we're really boring our yes yeah. so. all right Nobody cares. Uh, <laughs> come and see. That's what the movie. Come and is called. see. Come and Got see. It. Yes, it's supposed to be very good, but very hard to watch. Got it. Uh, great. Really interesting stuff. Uh, so two Russian movies on my list. I don't know if I'll get yeah. them both this week, um, among other things. And uh, that's it. That's it. You can follow uh, me. I'm at Brooks ZA on all platforms. Brendan, where can people follow you? Follow me on Twitter at Fitzy Brendan or on Letterboxd at Fitzy Brendan as well. Or you can find me at MovieLadder at gmail.com or wherever uh wherever you want to yeah, cool all right uh, i think we made this just under 108 minutes so i win the bet yeah. i don't know what i win but uh that's cool you we'll see you next week for what's up this podcast will not explode bye that's all folks a kiss is still a kiss
Just a song. 